This is Beyond the Farm Gate, a show where we shine a light on great Australian stories in agriculture. On the show, you'll hear from farmers who've survived challenges like fire, flood and drought, farmers who run innovative and unique agribusinesses, and farmers who are balancing work and family in rural Australia. You'll be inspired hearing their stories and pick up some insights along the way. I'm your host, Annie Herbert. Today I'm chatting with Simone Kane. Simone is the co-owner of creative agency Hello Friday and co-founder and author of award-winning educational brand George the Farmer. Simone and husband Justin are also raising three young boys on their property near Panola, South Australia, which specialises in beef cattle trading and sheep for meat and wool. In this episode, you'll hear how Simone entered the interactive multimedia game just as the internet was taking off, why it's so important to educate children about agriculture and what's on the horizon for George the Farmer. Let's jump in. So welcome, Simone. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Annie. To kick us off, I'm really keen to understand, we'll get into where George the Farmer's connection to Ag First started, but where did your connection to Ag First start? Yeah, well, I guess I was born into Ag, really. My parents had a farming property which was based near Hatherley, so in the southeast of South Australia, down near Millicent in the Lambstone Coast. So their property was sheep, cattle and some cropping. But they also had a livestock transport company that they owned for about 30 years all up. And so I grew up with the depot on our home base. And so there were always trucks coming and going. And back then it was fax machines. There weren't really mobile telephones either back then when I was quite young. Well, faxes actually only came in, I think, when I was about 11 or something, I think. So it was really just the radio and truck drivers being there all the time, farmers always coming in, stock agents always coming in, like it was this massive sort of hive of activity always going on at our house and you'd always hear different stories going on and things that people had seen across the country. The trucks would travel right across Australia. So, yeah, it was really interesting upbringing. I didn't ever see myself really associated with ag as a young kid. I didn't think I'd be a farmer or a truck driver or anything like that. (laughs) I was actually always scared of big machinery. Dad could hardly ever get me into the trucks. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved the animal side of ag and even with just the trucks, I'd always go and hang out in the dog kennels with the truck driver's dogs when they were there having a rest and pat them and feed them. With that in mind, it will eventually get to where you are now. But after school, where did you start studying? What was your goals? So I went away to boarding school in Adelaide for five years and I was always homesick. Mum and Dad actually put a 1800 number in for me because that was before mobiles and I'd ring home twice a day and it was cheaper for them to put that <laughs> what in. What a great so idea. Could, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had this 1800 number, which is quite funny. I was always homesick, but I did love being away at the same time. It was sort of that push and pull sort of motion. I knew that I should be in Adelaide and the schooling was great and I loved my experience there. But at the same time, I was just really drawn to being back in the country and being with my family. So, yeah, after I finished school, I thought that I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to take a year off to go back home and hang out with my mates and do a bit of possible study. And when I went back for that year off, I applied for a visual arts course in Mount Gambier 
to study while I was working in pubs and things. And they had a look at the work that I'd produced in year 12 design and I, I did get a 20 for that. And they suggested that I was more suited for an interactive multimedia course, which I had no idea what that was at the stage because it was sort of the beginning of that industry. That was back in 1998. And so I went and had an interview there and found out that I'd be creating websites and doing branding, creating touch screens. That was sort of a big thing back then. DVDs, anything really that was interactive. And that was really what I was interested in. I just didn't realise that that was a career. So I did that for 12 months and I ended up getting a traineeship in that as well. So I would work in the business next door doing commercial work and then in the rest of the week I would go back into TAFE and study there. So it was amazing and such an amazing opportunity to have that in a regional area as well. And unfortunately that course isn't available anymore down here, but it really set me up in an industry where it was in its infancy back then when I finished in 98, most people were just starting to get an email address. There weren't hardly any businesses, especially in regional areas that were online with a website. It was really exciting and I could really see that there was massive potential going forward and I just loved doing it. So I was really inspired to stay in the industry and I realised that I wasn't going to head back to Adelaide and do commercial photography, that I wanted to stay in that. So after I finished that traineeship, I ended up getting a couple of other contracts in Adelaide. I worked down there and produced DVD training materials for teaching people how to use heavy vehicles. I did that for oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. What- going back to your roots. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's amazing what you learn. So I did that for a few months, creating these resources and then a couple of other contracts just doing small websites for other businesses or updates on websites. Actually, I worked for, I don't, you may not know this magazine, it was a very big magazine. I'm not sure where it's at at the moment, but it was Horse Deals and that was like the national big horsey magazine and it was like a trading magazine so people could buy and sell horses through it and whatnot. So I worked for them for quite a while, was just helping them streamline their website and get it all flowing and getting all the information up quicker for sales. And then I was sort of debating where I was going to go next because there wasn't really any work here for me back in the southeast. And so a girlfriend of mine just suggested, why don't you start your own business? And I was 18 at the time and you know you don't really overthink things at that stage. And I thought, yeah, why not? I'll give it a go. <laughs> and that was about it. I remember I went back to my council, my local council, Water Range Council, and had a chat with them about starting a business. And they were really supportive of me doing that. And also in the line of work that I was interested in getting into, which was really fortunate for me. So they ended up putting me in touch with lots of different contacts. And also I ended up developing their website. And this is all back before content management systems and WordPress and all of that. Everything was sort of just basic HTML and very static sites. And through that opportunity, the local government association had decided that they would create this new software that would allow councils Australia-wide to update their own website through a content management system. And so they were producing their own content management system with a company that's now part of Deloitte. So they were looking for trial website developers and I ended up getting the gig for that and consequently went to who is now Deloitte and worked with them for a week and had 
sort of intense training with them on different coding styles and languages and learned how to develop websites for this new content management system and developed the Water Range Council's website, became the first accredited website developer, local government website developer. And then from that, that sort of led on to me developing council websites across South Australia, went down to Tassie and did all of Southern Tasmanian council websites and went up to Northern Territory and did one up there as well. And that sort of really set up my business and helped me grow my profile, I guess, in website development. I think I was about 20 back then, which was really cool. And then that just opened up more doors and more opportunities, not just in local government, but in ag as well and any and tourism and, you know, any industry that was sort of looking to move ahead with website development. And I could really see also a opportunity with this content management system that the local government association had developed. And so I ended up working with my own programmers to develop my own content management system as well. I can't quite remember the year that we did that, but it was probably around 2005. That was again before WordPress. So I developed my own content management system that I would then create people's websites and put them on this content management system that enabled them to then update their website from any internet enabled computer, which was pretty out there back then. And then obviously as time's gone on and WordPress became massive and lots of technology went ahead, that sort of became redundant and it was impossible really for someone with a business of my scale to keep up with competing (laughs) with the likes of a global companies like that. Yeah, it was really interesting, really interesting path and really exciting to be a part of in that early stage of the industry. It's just nuts to think that at such a young age, you'd already had such a career and built something so exciting and being part of something so new and you were only early 20s. I can't even begin to imagine the sense of achievement that you must have had. I'm really proud of it. And because of how my career, I guess, has changed a little bit over the past eight years, especially I sort of forgot about my beginnings and where I'd come from until recently. And I thought, wow, you know, like that is really cool. It's, I don't know, I just feel really fortunate that I'd followed my passions, but that had sort of led me almost to being in the right place at the right time. So then tell me, how did you start working with Ben, your co-founder of George the Farmer? I'd been running my own business for about nine years. It was coming up to 10 years. And Ben was working at a print house locally here and he was doing all the print work for a lot of clients that were crossing over to me. I was doing their websites and he was doing their print work. And we would quite often just check in with each other to make sure that the branding was looking really consistent across the board for whatever client we were working on. And I was about to get married to my husband, Justin, and I knew that down the track, kids were in the plan. And I also had, as part of my first business, a server that was based in Melbourne. And so we host lots of client websites and emails. And in order to do that, you really need to offer almost 24-hour support. Nobody wants their emails going down or their websites going down. And so I knew that going forward, if I was going to have kids, I needed to have the support of someone, whether I employed someone or went into business with someone. Um, But Ben and I got along really well and he was really well known for being a really good graphic artist and had lots of knowledge in pre-press and printing as well. And so I suggested to Ben one day, would you be interested in going into business? And he was totally ready to leave. He'd been there for quite a while at that company. We're both similar ages. He had one young child with his wife Elle at that time, but he was wanting to move on to something else. So yeah, I think it was 1st of July 
the day before I'd shut down my company and on the, I mean, obviously it took a while to get all this set up, but on the 1st of July, 2009, we started trading as Hello Friday. And so we're a full creative agency that offers branding and website development, motion graphics, videography, anything basically creative. So cool that you were able to find a like-minded person to start creating with. And from there, tell me, how did George the Farmer come about? Well, when we first started in business together, it was sort of things were really booming and moving along. And then it was sort of coming off the back of the global financial crisis. And we could see the hosting for us in the company, it just kept ticking over. So we had recurring income coming in every year, which was really awesome for the business. And it sort of took the pressure off when there was that slight downturn. And so we were looking for other ways to create another line of income that was recurring. And at that time, the app market had kicked off. I could had that background with being one of the first ones to be in the industry for website development and the opportunities that came from that. And so I wanted us to try and get into the app market as quickly as we could. And we would pitch a couple of different app projects to clients, but because we didn't have any apps behind us, we couldn't get anything off of the ground. And so we were actively trying to research ways in which we could create our own app as its own product that would just sit in the background of Hello Friday and tick away. And all of the research that we were doing, everything sort of kept coming back to ag. And Ben also grew up on a farm as well in Narracourt, not far from here. At the start, really everything kept going around this farm management app, which, you know, there's lots of them out there now and some really good, amazing ones. So I'm glad we didn't end up going down that path because it would have been so massive. <laughs> but one day I had George, my first son. He was about two and a half and I was pregnant with my twins, Frank and Louis, at the time. And I was sort of really worried about how George was going to cope when his new brothers came along. I was going to be so busy. Would I have time for him? He was obsessed with the farm and always wanted to go with my husband, Justin, out on the farm. And he'd sit at the bench and look through newspapers and farm trading um, machinery catalogs and point out the headers and the tractors and things like that. So I was trying to find him some books or an app that would help keep him entertained and something for him to fall in love with. And I just couldn't find anything like looking through the app store and just Googling stuff. There was nothing there. It was just the old farmer in America that had the overalls and the pitchfork and he'd collect the eggs by hand and milk the cows or collect the eggs and milk the cows by hand in his red barn in full. So the terminology was all wrong and it was just boring and it wasn't really how agriculture is. And so I came back to Ben one day and I was like, you know, I think there's this opportunity we could create this character and we hadn't come up with a name at that stage. And I could write the stories because I'd actually always wanted to write a picture storybook as well. Right? I wanted to write and illustrate earlier. Ben had been getting right into illustration and he'd been doing this illustration a day task that he'd set himself. He's got this website called Creative Panic, which is still up there. Yeah, so it's like about eight years old now, but he would do this illustration a day and you can see just how his skills progress over time. And he became really quick in illustrating well as well. And so, yeah, we decided I'd write the stories. Ben would illustrate, well, it was only ever going to be one actually to start one story. And we'd launch it as an interactive story app. And that was how we were going to get onto the app market. It was going to sit there and we were going to make millions of sales from right across the world. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just going to be the recurring income coming in. And at the same time, we could showcase that to our clients and start producing apps. That's where the idea came from. And 
obviously I was pregnant with twins at that stage. So it sort of went on the, we developed a little bit of a style around what the illustrations were going to look like. I think before the twins came along, but then when the twins came along, I think I sort of took six months off. So sort of from that idea until the product was launched on the app market, it was about two years. And so we launched it as an interactive story app just on iTunes, the iPhones and iPads. And we had a really good response, a really, really good response. It was in the top apps for books and the top apps for technology and education and things like that for many months. And people all of a sudden started asking us for printed copies of the book. And we were like, what? Who would have thought? (laughs) That is so old school. (laughs) We're trying to escape. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, what? You know, we're being, uh, you know, so innovative. And anyway, we thought, well, we've got the skills. We know how to put products to printers and print and everything's been set up in high resolution so that we could easily turn that into a picture book. I sent one copy off the story off to Penguin, I had a contact there and they offered to review it and have a look for possibly publishing. We did not hear back from them, (laughs) but that didn't deter us. We thought, okay, we'll just definitely do that ourselves. Um, We'll self-publish. And so, yeah, we self-published the first book, George the Farmer Plants a Wheat Crop. And then we wrote the second story, which is George the Farmer Shears a Sheep which is about George and Ruby and they have their gun shearers from New Zealand, Ken and Kevin, Susan, come over and help them shear the sheep before the weather comes in. And then we just started going from there. So the app ended up just being the two interactive books and the kids could shear the sheep, move the finger over the shearer to help shear the sheep and different parts and different other interactivity happened in the book. And then they could also sing along with a couple of songs on there that Ben composed and sung. And also there was a memory game. But we sort of left the app as it was like that for, it was up on the app market for probably about three or four years. It's just come down recently because it was getting old and it was conflicting with the new software on iPhones and things. So we need to sort of go back to the start and create something new again for that. But the books have taken off and it's been quite interesting that parents really do still love to have that physical book, which is really nice. And, you know, our two books now have grown into 11 picture books plus a kid's baby board book. I wrote the next story last year and Ben's illustrating that at the moment. As you know, ag's so diverse that there's so many different industries in the sector that there's millions of stories that we can tell. And I bet Penguin are kicking themselves now that they didn't take you up on it. Oh, look, I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't ever approached them again. I mean, I think there's always new kids being born that love a farming story and love machinery and love seeing animals in books and things like that. I'm hoping like the idea with the books and where Ben and I can see it is that they become one of those iconic brands like a Mr. Men or something like that where the stories sort of just keep going on and they're still relatable and kids of different generations will still love them. You set out with the app and you thought, oh, this will be great. We'll, we'll sell millions. Where it's gone now and in a minute we'll get into where it's going with new mediums, but did you ever expect it to become as big as what it has been? No, definitely not. We just thought it was going to tick away in the background and we wouldn't even really produce much more on it. Really hadn't thought that far ahead. It was, yeah, really just a showcase that we could produce an app. Our book range, we've got 
cuddle dolls, George and Ruby. Um, so Ruby, for those that don't know about George and Ruby, Ruby is George's wife, but she is up the front in all of the books as much as what George is. Obviously, it's called George the Farmer after my son, George. But Ruby's a very smart and talented and she's an agronomist and she's actually done her PhD. So she's Dr. Ruby. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, through totally across the important role that women play in ag, almost 50% of women are in ag. So we try and showcase that through our stories with Ruby being a really strong role model and George almost being like a champion of women and women in ag. I think it's a really nice way to do it. But I do, over the past, received a bit of kickback from women in the industry who haven't actually read any of the stories and want to know why I've called it George the Farmer and not like had a female role, but these things happen. I think they'd be still proud and happy of it if they actually read the stories. Absolutely. But yeah, so we've got all the picture books and the dolls. We've got some other merchandise. We do Australian made out of Australian cotton t-shirts. We've got Australian wool knitted, like little crocheted animals, toy animals. We do our paddock to plate videos now. So we've got about nine or 10, I think, that are available to watch for free on YouTube. And most of them are on ABC iView as well, which was really cool to have them acquired by the ABC and they show on ABC education quite regularly. We've got another one we're actually shooting next week, which is on egg production in Victoria. So that'd be cool. And that'll probably go up in the next three months or so. And then we also have Curriculum Align Educators Guides, which has been a really important part of the brand overall. We work with curriculum specialists and they develop resources aligned to the curriculum for foundation to year four children. So teachers can download these resources for free from our website and help teach kids in the classroom about where food and fibre comes from, but in a fun way. And learning through George and Ruby's voice, they can be used independently without any of our books or anything like that, but they can also be backed up with our books and obviously our videos and things like that. And our videos are also musical, so we do singing and dancing in our videos. I don't really sing because I can't sing at all, (laughs) which Ben has made it very obvious that I can't sing. (laughs) Although I did just write our latest egg song last week and I sent it to Ben and he said, how are you imagining the melodies going? And I'm like, well, I've got it in my head. It's like a bit of a rap. And so I was like, (laughs) I was like trying to rap it a bit. And he's like, you know, I can't rap. He said, do you want to sing? And I'm like, hang on a minute. You said I can't sing. <laughs> anyway, he's, that's not what this is about. <laughs> he sent through the melody yesterday and he's got it down pat, not as a rap, but it, yeah, it sounds good. But yeah, so that's all really fun for teachers to be able to. They're only really short, like six to seven minute videos. And we follow the journey from paddock sort of to plate, or in the case of our forestry one, you know, we go from trees being planted through to how a house is built using timber from, you know, sustainable pine forests. But we do singing and dancing through it. And with the food ones, we end up in the kitchen and we cook something really easy that kids could cook at home or in the classroom. So it's a really fun way that they can teach kids about where food and fibre comes from, but they can also tick off on their learning outcomes that they need to cover in making sure that they're teaching them science and technology and maths for their year level. Why is it so important that we make sure that kids know where their food and their clothes come from and what happens on a farm? It's 
an interesting question. I think it's actually a bit more complex than just that they need to know. You know, from a parent's perspective, they want their children to grow up to be healthy, especially someone that's based in a city location where they don't necessarily have that connection to a farm. All they want for their kids is to grow up to be healthy. But how can we expect our children to make healthy food choices now and in the future if they don't understand where their food comes from and how it's produced? We know that obesity has been a global issue for years and although the interest for healthy food is growing, we still need to be educating kids and talking about food. And then from an industry perspective globally, it's recognised that consumers don't know enough about ag and it's something that sustains all of us, every single person's life on the planet, yet there's this just this massive disconnect. I think it's just because people aren't having those conversations now about where food comes from and how it's grown or fibre as well. In the last census, not the 2021, but the 2011 one, it was showing that for 30 years prior to 2011, 30,000 farmers left the land per year, which is massive. So imagine taking all of those people out of the equation who talk to their kids and their cousins and their mates about how they produce food. There just aren't those conversations happening. And so this poses a massive problem for the industry, for the sector, as it enables misconceptions to form. And then from that, the possibility of bad decisions being made on behalf of the industry by local, state, federal government, maybe from pressure from communities. And that community trust in ag is still a massive issue and something that now many of the research and development corporations in Australia are really trying to work on and tackle and including the National Farmers Federation, they've really pinpointed that community trust in ag needs to improve. So I hope that through the work that we're doing with George the Farmer, that's going to help and George and Ruby, I guess their role is to try and connect consumers back to the source of their food, which gives them that greater understanding of the risks and issues involved in farming, as well as an appreciation of the effort that goes into producing that clean green food that we're so lucky to enjoy here in Australia. And so even though our books and our videos and things are targeted towards young kids, sort of 10 years and younger, they're watched with the parents, they're watched with teachers, they're watched with grandparents. So they have a much broader reach than just kids. It's interesting. At some point last year, we had Sam Johnston on the podcast and he told us a few stories around, you know, when he was at uni, people making comments to him that clearly didn't know where their food came from. So if we can start sending that message a lot earlier on, we'll just be amazing for kids and for the industry more broadly as well. And that Sam's an amazing job with Thank a Farmer and there are lots of other different little and big initiatives where everybody's sort of trying to tackle the same problem from a different perspective or through a different way. And I think eventually, hopefully, <laughs> through all of these different avenues, that perception does start changing. I just wanted to circle back for a minute to the comments you made around Ruby and that massively important role that women play in ag. And in 2017, you were named the SA Rural Women of the Year, or Rural Woman of the Year, I should say. Tell me about that. Well, how was that experience for you? Pretty crazy experience, actually. It was awesome. When I applied for 2017, that was actually the third time I had gone up for that award. My mum, she was the South Australian runner-up back in 2001, I think it was, when she was working in the livestock transport industry. Back then, she also received a bursary as a runner-up. And so her project was to try and increase 
safety within the transport industry. So she developed this brochure that went out nationally and internationally, actually. It went out to a couple of different countries. And I actually worked with mum on the brochure because I'd started my business at that stage. And it was called Together Everyone Achieves More. It was about how producers, livestock agents and truck drivers could all work together to make sure that everybody's safe on the road, but that also, importantly, the animals are looked after well. So I'd seen mum go through that back then and I, I could see the opportunities that she was afforded from the award. And it was just, I don't know, just something that always sort of struck in my mind that I was interested in applying for. And so in, I can't remember what year I did the first time, I didn't actually remember until not long ago, but my first project that I submitted for the award was to actually produce a series of kids illustrated children's books, teaching them about farming. So that was before George the Farmer was even born. I found my old award application and that was on there and I was like, oh my God, that's right, I forgot about that. Um, so it was obviously always in the back of my mind. And then the second time I applied, George had already been around and I had a different project idea that was around I think it was around an app or something. It was another app I was trying to do. I wasn't successful there, but I was a finalist. And then in 2017, I went back for third time lucky and ended up getting it. So it was a long process, but I really enjoyed even just the process of applying and going. I'm a bit of an introvert. I get really nervous speaking in front of people. I've obviously gotten better over the years, but I still do get quite nervous. And so just putting yourself out there and trying to improve your skills and practice and opening up your networks because obviously you're meeting new people each time you do these things as well was really important to me and I guess it helped sort of hone in as well each time on what a good project would be for well what I was interested in writing kids books really I met some amazing people through the experience of the state awards and then I went on and I was the national runner-up all of the finalists as well. So it's an absolutely amazing opportunity. AgriFutures is one of the best organisations, I think, in the ag sector. If you can get in touch with them or try and tap into any of the opportunities that they have going at any stage of your career, I think is beneficial. They're just such a good team. They're just so passionate and so innovative and so open to new ideas. And it was just a really fantastic learning opportunity and it was a great platform for what I was doing with George the Farmer because I ended up through the award you get a lot of publicity and so I could further tell people what our aim was and what our products were out there on the market to try and teach kids about where their food and fibre comes from. I'm picking up a common theme where things from your past tend to come and resurface later on where you've had almost a little bit of a vision earlier. Yeah. And one of those things is the idea that your mum was exploring around safety. Mm -hmm. And I know that there is a new George the Farmer video coming out around safety. What else is in store for George for the next few months? Well, this is going to be really exciting, the safety video that we're doing. And it's exciting because Ben and I have wanted to take George the Farmer down the animation route since we first started. And now that's eventuated. We've now been working with the animation house out of Adelaide to create this three-minute really fun musical clip on farm safety and encouraging kids to be safe on the farm. 
So we wrote a song and it's, I guess it's been a bit scary for FarmSafe. That's who we're working with in this partnership because we wanted to attack the problem from a different avenue. And instead of just saying to kids, don't do this, don't do that, we wanted to sort of show you the stupid stuff that kids do instead of not showing them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's funny lyrics and I can never remember all of them, but the one that always sticks out in my mind is, don't be a silly shazza and go and do doughies in your dad's old tractor. <laughs> and so it's got this girl and she's doing doughies in the dad's old tractor and then it blows up. And then there's another one about don't go and ride on the back of a moving ute. And so it does show a kid on the back of a moving ute and the kid falls off into a dam and then that takes on to the next verse, which is about don't go and play in a murky dam sort of thing. So we trying to show you all of these risks and ways that kids can hurt themselves on a farm but make it entertaining because there's nothing worse than watching a really boring, dry safety video. No one's interested mm-hmm. in it. So to try and spark that interest in, you know, maybe kids trying to take on board this message because and parents because it's just not working. Nothing seems to be working. So we need to approach the problem from a different way. And so we're really, really hopeful. The video is finished and it will be launching probably at the end of March at this stage. And it will be on YouTube on our account for anyone listening. But yeah, we're really hoping that it will make a difference. And like some of the stats from Farm Safe are that. 15% of all on-farm deaths are children under the age of 15. And out of that, 72.5% of those kids killed are boys. It's a massive issue. We want to help farm safe address this and, and get kids interested in knowing how to be safe on the farm and being more aware of their surroundings and considering their well-being. And so this video is also going to be backed up by a curriculum line educator's guide as well. So we're still working on that at the moment. But that's something that teachers will be able to use in the classroom as well to sort of reinforce those messages. And I can say I've had a sneak peek of the video and it is great. I loved the horse scene was my favourite. But we'll pop links in the show notes to both your website and the YouTube for anyone that's listening so they can keep an eye out for it because by the sounds of it, it isn't too far away. No, and yeah, I'm so excited for it. Additionally to that, we want to get a couple of gaming apps off the ground this year, hopefully, and one would be a safety app, safety gaming app, and the other one is more of just an interactive gaming app around where food and fibre comes from. So we're looking for partnership opportunities for that. We've got a few people that have put, or a few organisations that have put their hand up to join us on that, but we want to bring partners on board with it so that we can release this out onto the market for free. Our app originally that we had on the market, we did sell to help cover the cost, but we're looking for partners to help us cover the cost so that we can release it out there for free. And with that as well, you know, increases not only our brand awareness, but awareness around agriculture and awareness around these industries within the ag sector. So yeah, that's something else that we're trying to do this year. And we've got another book that just finished the next story. I did that last at the end of last year and Ben's illustrating that at the moment. That one's on forestry so that should be pretty cool teaching kids about sustainable tree growth and sequestering carbon and lots of cool things like that there's not another human farming character on the market I always have been and I'm really keen and I think the time's pretty much right now to try and take George internationally over to New Zealand UK US properly and see what we can 
do over there and have a poster boy and girl of agriculture globally being two Australian farmers. That would be so exciting. That would just be fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty exciting and hopefully we'll be able to bring that to fruition in the next year or so. And tell me, the real George, does he still love the farm? (laughs) He does. He absolutely still loves the farm. He says now still he wants to be a farmer. He loves machinery. He loves driving the ute out on the farm and that is the avenue that he'll go down, which is really cool. And that's the other thing, I guess, with George the Farmer, the brand inspires kids who have that connection to agriculture, educates those that don't have any connection to ag, but it also showcases all of the careers that are available in agriculture as well, which is really cool. I can't wait to see George Glow Global. I think that that is awesome. And Ruby, of course. (laughs) But before we wrap up, and it's a question that we ask all our guests, when you're either at farm or maybe it's when you're starring in one of the videos with George, what work boots do you wear? (laughs) I wear RMs. My husband bought them for me, Justin, the day after I won the South Australian Rural Women's Award. We went into RMs in Adelaide. And the boots that I liked are actually called Millicent, which is where I grew up. So I wear the Millicent boots. (laughs) Meant to be. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Simone. Can't wait to see where we'll see George and Ruby next. Thanks so much, Annie. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rural Bank. Rural Bank supports the agribusiness community by providing financial services, knowledge and leadership for Australian farmers to grow. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links and other resources, we've added those to the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Annie Herbert and I'll chat to you next time.